0: Stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking at the book of Proverbs, chapter number 15, and we're going to read verse number 1 to get us started this morning. Well, I promised something last Sunday that I wasn't able to deliver. I said that there would be ushers at the end of the service with Band-Aids for bloody toes. And I was just jesting, but uh, uh, John Lewis uh, brought me Band-Aids this morning. So uh, if any of you have bloody toes... Uh, after uh, the service this morning and after the message this morning, I have band-aids for you. Amen. Well, the preacher's not really preaching unless he steps on a few toes. Amen. I need to. Uh, you need to understand that uh, you know I have to pray through before I preach. Okay, so when the Lord gives me something, I have to. I have to get you know. I have to pray it through myself before I can stand up here and preach it to you. So un- un- understand that. Proverbs chapter number 15 and verse number 1. The wisdom writer writes, and he says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Father, I just pray again today. The anointing will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. And God, I pray that you'll give us ears upon our hearts today. Father, let us hear your word, but not just hear your word. But God, I pray, Lord, that, that we will put into practice what we receive today, all for your glory. Father, I pray for every, every marriage represented here today. God, I pray there will be home improvement uh, in every home through this series. Father, I just pray in the name of Jesus, all of God's people said, praise the Lord. Amen. You may be reseated this morning well if you're new to the grace place we we are in a series i'm calling home improvement and for the past 3 weeks we've been talking about marriage the title of my message today is how to fight fair how to fight fair now we are specifically talking about marriage right now but the principles that i'm going to give you today will work in any fight or disagreement, whether that be a fight with your spouse or whether that be uh, with your boss or with an employee or with a friend or you name it. These principles uh, will, will, will work for you as well. I want to begin today by saying that everyone fights. Everyone fights. Everyone has disagreements or what I like to call intense Fellowship. How many of you would like for me to tell you about my wife and I's first fight ever? Would you like to hear about that? I will tell you that I did get my wife's permission to tell this story. I know what my boundaries are, and I know when I'm pushing them. And I learned the hard way That when I'm pushing a boundary to get permission, I only went across the boundary once, and I've not gone across that boundary since. (laughs) Enough said. (laughs) So let me tell you about my wife and I. I'll tell you about our first fight ever. First of all, my wife and I, our first date was on my 17th birthday. And my wife paid. Paid. And it's the last time she's ever paid for anything. (laughs) We only dated for four months before we got married. And in those four months, we didn't have one single fight. We didn't have one single disagreement. For four months that we dated, I mean, it was perfect. And then once we were married, we didn't want to spoil our record. So anytime either of us was upset with the other one, we just held it in. Well, one day, a few weeks into our marriage, we had had held things inside so much that we were about to explode. And one day it happened. We exploded. My wife started going off on me, and I said to her, I said, you're acting like a big old brat. And I said, what you need is a good hard spanking. (laughs) And she put her hands on her hips and she looked at me and she said to me with all the sass that she could gather up, she said, and just who is going to give it to me? And I said, I am. And I grabbed her, and I threw her over my knee, and I started going at it. She came up with blood in her eyes, and she started going at me, man. I mean, I mean, she's just blood in her eyes going at me with all she was worth. And that was the first and last time I ever spanked my wife. And we were so young, we didn't even know it was kinky. (laughs) And I will tell you, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. (laughs) And please remember, we were 17 year old kids. Everybody fights, everybody has. Disagreements. They're inevitable in marriage, but not only in marriage, but in every walk of life as well. This morning, I want to give you some suggestions eight suggestions that will help you fight fair, eight things that that you can do that will help resolve your issues. Now, I, I have eight, so I only have time to simply mention them this morning. First thing that you need to do is you need to acknowledge the problem. Acknowledge the problem. Now, let me help you out a little bit this morning. If one of you thinks there's a problem, there is. I said, if either one of you thinks there's a problem, there, there, there is. See, perception is reality to that person. Let me help you out some more. Marital problems don't just magically disappear just because that you ignore them. Marital problems, as well as all other problems in life, must first be acknowledged before anything positive can be done about them. Second thing you need to do, and this is, this is huge, that is you need to anticipate your spouse's reactions. Anticipate your spouse's reactions. Proverbs chapter 27, verse number 12 says that a, a prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. Did you hear what he said? He said, a prudent man or person foresees danger and takes precautions. He goes on to write, the simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Now anybody that's been married for any length of time should know their spouse pretty well. Veterans like my wife and I know each other extremely well. My wife says that she knows what I'm going to think, she knows what I'm going to say, and she knows how I'm going to react before I'm ever informed on a matter. Anticipate your spouse's reaction. There are two benefits from doing this, and the first one is this. You can prepare your emotions. If you anticipate your spouse's reactions, you can prepare your emotions. Your emotions. You you, you can actually prepare your response to what you know their response will be. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse number 32 says, Better to be patient than powerful. And better to have self-control than to conquer a city. When you anticipate your spouse's reactions, that gives you time to prepare your emotions. Write, Write this down this morning. Write this down. Prepared emotions are controlled emotions. Isn't that good? Prepared emotions are controlled emotions, or, or at least they can be and they should be. Another benefit of anticipating your spouse's react, reactions is you can present your proposal at a good time and in a non-threatening way. See, see, see try, to, try to choose the least stressful times to address problems, and watch your tone, and watch your body language, and pick your words very, very carefully. You can do this if you anticipate your spouse's reactions. Third thing you need to do, and wow, this is huge as well, and that is you need to attack the problem, not the person. Isn't that good? Attack the problem, not the person. Proverbs 18 and, 18 and 21 says the tongue can bring life or it can bring death. And Here's what I know. People become defensive when they feel attacked personally. So attack the problem and not the person. Let me ask you this this morning. What, what do people do when someone starts physically attacking them? They either start covering themselves up and totally shutting down in a defensive strategy. Take a boxer. He's in the boxing ring and he's, 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 he's losing. He's getting beat up. What does he do? He finds himself a corner and he covers up. He, 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 he covers his, his face. He covers his, his midsection. He, he finds a place and, and covers up in a defensive mode so that he cannot be hit. What do people do when someone starts physically attacking them? Either they start covering themselves up, either they totally shut down in a defensive strategy, or they start fighting back. If you were to start throwing rocks at me, literally pick up rocks and start throwing them at me, I would do one of three things. Either, number one, either I would run. And in running, I'm trying to outrun the rocks. In running, I'm trying to get so far away from you that you cannot hit me with the stones that you are throwing. I would either, number one, run, or I would find me some cover. I'd find some place to get some protection and find some place to get some cover. So even though you're throwing rocks at me, I am covered. Or the third thing I would do, and that is I would pick up the rocks that you're throwing at me, and I'd start throwing those rocks right back at you. See, see, people do the same things in a word fight. So to fight fair, you must attack the problem and not the person. Number four, abstain from certain words. Now, I mentioned this last week, but it wor- it's worthy of, of repeating. Refrain from using words like always and never and you. Well, you always say that, or you always do that, or you never do that. Even, though, even just using the word you. Instead, use words like sometimes. You know, honey, sometimes. I mean, know oh, that's a lot softer than always and never. You know, honey, sometimes or occasionally And then instead of using you, use us and we. Proverbs 13 and 3 says, those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. Here's what I know. You will never have to apologize for harsh words you did not say. Number five, allow for different opinions. Allow for different opinions. Proverbs 18 and 2 says, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. And in verse 13 it says, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. So allow for different opinions because you see, you won't always see eye to eye. You won't always see eye to eye. And how could you? How could you? Because God made man and he made woman polar opposites. So if God made man and woman polar opposites, how in the world do we think that we can see things eye to eye all the time? We'll just mention 10 basic characteristical differences in men and women. If we would just understand the differences, the basic characteristical differences in men and women. Let me give you 10 of them. First of all, number one, men are physical. Women are verbal. Illustration, men being physical, fathers interact with their kids by throwing them down on the floor and wrestling with them. When my kids were little, when I would come in from work and they would hear the garage door uh, come up and they would hear that back door open, I would walk into the door. When my kids were little, they would run to me and they would jump into my arms and I would throw them over my shoulder and I'd start running through the house hollering, saccatators, saccatators, saccatators. One day I came through the doors and I grabbed my wife and I put her over my shoulder. I started spinning around, of secretators. It wasn't as much fun for her. <laughs> Men are physical women are, are, are verbal. Fathers interact with their kids by throwing them down on the floor and wrestling with them. Mothers interact with their kids by sitting on the edge of their, of their child's bed and talking with them. difference number two men are logical women are emotional men make all of their decisions by 100 percent pure logic at least what seems logical to them I see some of the decisions some of our guys make and I wonder where their logic is but it's logical to them Women, on the other hand, make every single decision according to how they feel about the matter. Men are logical, women are emotional. Number three, men seldom feel guilty. (laughs) Women are prone to guilt. For instance, we went to the party last night, we left early. I do early on Saturday night. Sunday's a big day for me, and so I get to bed early, so I do everything I do, I do it early. We're leaving. My wife is feeling guilty. And she tells me, I feel guilty. We left early. I said, don't feel guilty. I said, just be glad that you got to go. (laughs) No guilt in my part. Logical. Pastor took time to come. He stayed for an hour and 15 minutes. Hello? Hello? I'm I'm just telling you, there's there's a big difference. Number four, men are impersonal. Women are personal. A man needs acquaintances. He needs somebody to go fishing with. He needs somebody to go hunting with. He needs somebody to play golf with. A man will live his entire life and only have one or two really close, good friends. A woman needs friends. She needs someone to share personal feelings with. That jerk husband of hers is not listening to her. Amen. (laughs) Number five, men are less moody. Women are more moody. And especially at certain times of the month. Do you know the difference in a woman with PMS and a snarling Doberman (laughs) Pinscher? Lipstick. (laughs) I need to get that book, How to Win Friends and Influence Enemies, don't I? (laughs) Joke, okay? Come on. Number six, men are nomadic. Women like Roots. Men love adventure, man. I mean, mean, they, they, they love taking risks. They love change. Women like everything to stay the same. I love to candidate for a church. I love to go convince a church that they can't live without me. Now, don't worry. I'm too old to do that anymore. But I love the process. I love it. My wife hates every single second of it and don't want any, any part of it. Women like everything to stay the same. Men like, men like adventure. They like taking risks. They like, they like change. Hey, let me just tell you that I, that I have never been criticized by a man for making changes in the church. Because men like change. Women hate change. Come on now. I didn't write this book, okay? And I didn't make you. Number seven, men want only the facts. Women want details. All the details. Every detail. Number eight, men can't remember. And women can't forget. (laughs) Might be my last sermon, but it's. (laughs) Number nine men see long range, women see short range. A man can see his new up-and-coming business adventure as as eventually becoming awesome for the family. Man, I mean, he can he can see it blossoming into, into something incredible and, and wonderful. In, in time, it's going to be such a great blessing to his to his to his family. But 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 his wife, all she can see is that the new business uh, is a liability, and that it's a new business. It's the reason why there's no money in the bank. turn something up this morning. <laughs> and number 10 this morning, men are sexually stimulated by what they see. Women are sexually stimu- stimulated by how they feel. Sexually, men are like a microwave. <laughs> They're instant. They have the same motto as the Royal Rangers do ready, ready always. <laughs> Sexually, women are more like a crock pot. <laughs> Slow to warm up. These are basic. Characteristical differences in men and and women. You won't always see eye to eye. How could you? God made man and woman different. Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. But here's the good news. The good news is God made man and woman different so that the two together could become one balanced team. And we need to understand that one is not better than the other, only different. And the two come together and make one. So allow for different Opinions. And here's, here's something else under, under that thought. Try to not make everything a right or wrong issue. Try to not make everything a right or wrong issue. Try to, see, try to see the matter from your mate's perspective. Ladies, try to put on your logical thinking hat so that you can see it from his perspective. And fellas, try and get in touch with your feelings so you can see it from her perspective. A few years ago, my wife and I were trying to make a decision on a certain purchase. And I put my male logical thinking uh, hat on and, and, and my mind was saying to me, No, 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 this is not a good, sound financial decision. But I looked at the twinkle in my wife's eye as she said to me, But honey... We could share this with the kids and the grandkids. So I took off my male logical thinking hat and I tried to put on her feelings hat and look at it from her point of view and we made the purchase. Someday you'll hear whether that was a good purchase or a bad purchase. But I'm already in enough enough trouble today. (laughs) Allow for different opinions. Try try to not make everything a right or wrong issue. Number six. The sixth thing this morning is admit your contribution to the problem. Admit your contribution to the problem. Let me read Proverbs 18 and 2 again. It says, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Here's what you need to do, number one, you need to own your mistakes. Own your mistakes. I mean, no, it's hard to criticize somebody who owns their mistakes. Never say if I did this or if I did that or if I said this or, or if I was wrong. I'm, you know, if I this, no, 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 no. Own your mistakes. Say I blew it. Say I messed up. Say it's all my fault. Own your mistakes and then offer a sincere apology an emphasis on sincere, not half baked see 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 here's what i've learned I've learned that when i'm fighting with my wife if if I place all the blame on her, she tends to throw it right back on me, and when I take the lame if I approach it doesn't impress her at all but when I take full responsibility and I lay all of the blame on myself she tends to say things like well you know no it really wasn't all you or you know I'm to blame too and I'm sorry too and and kissy 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 (laughs) number seven abound in grace Abound in grace. Jesus said in in Luke chapter 6, verse 37 and 38, Jesus says, judge not and you won't be judged. Condemn not and you won't be condemned. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use... It will be measured back to you. Now, now I, I can't speak for you this morning, but for me, I need a lot of grace. Anybody's got the personality that I have, you need a lot of grace. I'm a mess. I mess up often, and no amens, please. I'm like the Apostle Paul who said, he, he, he said, what I want to do, he said, I have a hard time doing. And he said, what I don't want to do, he said, that is exactly what I end up doing. I can relate to Paul. And because of this, I need a lot of grace. But the only way that I'm going to get a lot of grace is if I give a lot of Grace. That's what Jesus said in the verses that we just read. He said, give, and he said, and you're going to get. He said, you're going to get what you give. But not only are you going to get what you give, but he went on to say that you're going to get a whole lot more than you give. So if you're like me and you need a whole lot of grace, you better be giving a whole lot of grace because the only way that you're going to be given a whole lot of grace is if you are willing to give a whole lot of grace. Let me give you two pieces of advice here. Number one, abide by the golden rule. Matthew 7 and 12 says, do to others what you would like them to do to you. As a pastor now for nearly 44 years, I've had a lot of experience in the people business. And I want to just tell you that we people are very strange creatures. And I'm going to just tell you that the best of the bunch is still messed up. Here's what I've noticed we want others judged harshly, throw the book at them, hang them at high noon, make them pay. But for us, we want mercy, grace understanding. I've watched it. I've watched people's kids mess up in the church and some of the people in the church turn on them. And then those very same people, when their kids messed up, wanted mercy and grace and forgiveness. And Hello? If we would just abide by the golden rule, if we would just offer to others the love, the understanding, the forgiveness, the grace and mercy that we want extended to us, guess what? Guess what? Love, understanding, forgiveness, grace and mercy would come flowing back to us. Abound in grace. Abide by the golden rule. And apply the second mile principle. Apply the second mile principle. Matthew 5 and 41, Jesus said, if asked to go one mile, go two. Jesus said, said, go twice as far with people as they ask of you. I asked you this morning, what would be the residual effect in our marriage and in every other relationship if we applied the second mile principle? No doubt the divorce rate would go down drastically. No doubt the atmosphere in our homes would change dramatically. No doubt our friendships would possess far less drama than they do. Number eight and finally this morning. Affirm your love and commitment to your spouse. See, it's naive to think that you can live with somebody continually and never have a disagreement. We just bring us on down even to this. You know, it's 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 naive for you to think that you can sit under somebody's ministry for thirteen years hearing them preach almost every single Sunday and back in the day two or three times a week and agree with everything that comes out of the mouth of the man of God. I don't even agree with everything that comes out of my mouth. But in marriage, to think that two people who are different as night and day can cohabit under one roof and and, and enjoy unity and harmony and, and total peace and total agreement 100% of the time, that that's naive. It's not going to happen. Spouses will fight. Spouses will argue. Spouses will disagree. Just make sure that you're attacking the problem and not the person. And make sure that you're affirming your love and your commitment to one another and reassure each other that your love for each other and your commitment to your marriage is much stronger than your present feelings of frustration over the issue that you are disagreeing about at the moment. We have to learn to separate the person from the problem. Ecclesiastes 5 and 33, Paul writes, he says, again I say, why does he say it again? Because we didn't get it the first time. Again, I say, husbands, love your wives, and wives, show respect to your husbands. We get some help on the platform this morning, please. We're talking about how to fight fair this morning. You know, there's no such thing as fighting fair in a physical fight. In a physical fight, if you fight fair, you might get clobbered. So if he picks up a hammer, you better pick up a sledge. In a physical fight, you might, if you fight fair, you might get clobbered in a, in a relational fight. If you don't fight fair, you might win the fight, but actually lose everything that is valuable. So ask yourself, at the end of the day, what is more important? Is it more important that I win the fight? Is it more important that my spouse admits that I was right and they were wrong? Or is it more important that we have peace and harmony in our home? Maybe my father was right. You can be right or you can be happy. You can be right. But in being right, you may lose what's most valuable. Would you rather be right or rather be happy? We've had a lot of fun this morning. I've kind of pushed the edge this morning a little bit with permission. And I want to say that I love women. You women are awesome. Father, I just pray that you'll take the word of the Lord this morning. May your word do what needs to be done. God, I pray for families today. I pray for struggling marriages. God, I just pray that you'll help those that are struggling today to take the principles of your word. Apply those principles. Take a step back and remember what brought the two together in the first place. Remind themselves and focus on those things. God, I pray there will be some mending of some marriages today. God, I pray there will be Some people, they'll just take the first step toward that mending and the first step towards that healing today. And others today, they will experience that last step as they've been working on it for weeks or months or even years. Help us all today. Bless everyone here today. Bless every marriage, every home. Let there be home improvement. In Jesus' name, amen.